and welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest of what's going on in the sporting world. Mitch, good to be back with you. Happy, happy uh, post first round of the NFL draft. You and I were separated for last night. I was on a Zoom. You were on. Uh, you were at a physical uh, watch together, uh, a party. How was that, man? It was good. It was kind of nice to sit back and wonder what was going to happen knowing that the Browns didn't have a first round pick and just kind of watch other teams make moves that I'm sure other fans have done to us before. Like, what is that team doing when the Browns were picking? So um, we have a lot to talk about, about the draft. We have a lot to talk about high school sports and uh, other things post first round of something, but it's going to be a packed show today. Oh, for sure. For sure. We want to remind you guys first off that you obviously, if you're watching here on YouTube, be sure to like subscribe and hit the bell. You can also find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, uh, courtesy of Spotify for podcasters. You can also find us on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. That's our website where we post our latest articles, videos, game broadcasts, and everything in between. You can also find our Facebook and Instagram pages at BigTimeSportsOhio or on Twitter at BTSOhio or on uh, pretty much everywhere for myself, Mitch Spinell, and everywhere for, for Bala, Mitchell Bala. I mean, Mitch, we go now to a number of games that we had from this past week. Uh, got a little chippy in terms of the weather near the end of the week. I mean, we're sitting right now where it's just, you know, uh, drizzling all throughout the morning and afternoon. But a uh, number of games in the books from this past week, a number of competitive games on my side, which I'll start off on first. A number of games on Thursday that went uh, very, very competitive on the baseball side, including a couple of complete games. One of them thrown by Nick Petro from Sandy Valley, who ended up shutting out Canton Valley 2-0, while uh, the right-hander, uh, had uh, allowed four hits in the game while striking out nine Rockets hitters. He also had two hits on the offensive side, scored both runs for the Cardinals on Austin Leary and Drew Graybill's RBI hits. So, and then uh, Logan Ryder takes the loss for Connaughton despite pitching all six innings for the Rockets. A uh, big win for the Cardinals as they improved to 11-7 and seven on the season. Now, the other uh, complete game was Mason Wagner, who had a uh, solid performance against the Fairless Falcons. 9-4 to four, uh, final on Thursday in Strasburg. Wagner had six strikeouts on the game. Also, like Petro, had two hits on the contest. Joe Fisher, Hunter McKenzie, Drew Lancaster, and Caden Dugan each had two hits for Strasburg as well. Dugan had three RBIs for the game off of Fairless starter Logan Barkin, and he had to suffer the brunt of seven fielding errors that the Falcons uh, had throughout the game. Uh, Andy Gill did have two hits for Fairless. And then uh, we also had um, Carrollton beating Ridgewood by a score of 11-2. to two. Uh, Caden Smith had six RBIs, three for five for the game. Caden Rinegar had two RBIs for the game as the Generals were held to three hits for the contest with Chase Booth totaling two of them as the Warriors improved to 13 and three. And we also had a walk-off in Berlin between the Highland Hawks and the Garraway Pirates. Uh, you, uh, we saw on Thursday night, the Hawks getting the bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, and then that led to sophomore Colin Koblenz, uh, yielding a hit by pitch, to win the game for Highland. He also worked top of the eighth inning in relief of Isaac Yoder, who had a complete regular game for the Hawks, seven innings pitched for them. Dorn Mass also went the first seven innings for Garraway before uh, being uh, ganked for Peyton Keller, who took the loss for the Pirates in extras. So a number of competitive matchups there. I mean, Mitch, I'm seeing one of them from last night, which was uh, a very solid performance by a Can Central Catholic standout. But t- t- give me a bit of a rundown what's going on here in baseball in the in the, in the area. Well, we will get to the Canton Central Catholic standout last night. What was an impressive win for Central? A very good week for them. 
We're going to recap everything we missed so far this week because the Federal League race is hot and tight, and we're coming down the home stretch now, Mitch. So stick with me. Tuesday, we had six teams in Federal League action. Let's start with Glen Oak and McKinley. McKinley coming off a week in which they swept the Lake Blue Streaks, Mitch. They were as hot as could be. Glen Oak, though, a team that was just one game behind Jackson atop the Federal League standings. McKinley, a couple wins there. Their rate within striking distance, still having to play Jackson. Glen Oak, though, trying to keep that one-game difference, knowing they have a game with Jackson to remake later this season. Tuesday night, Glen Oak, four, McKinley, zero. Uh, Cyber took the win. Savion Wilkins, Mitch, took the loss for McKinley. I mentioned that name because Savion Wilkins is one of the top area leaders in stats in Stark County. He falls to two and five now with a 1.15 ERA. A tough luck loser. Sometimes it's just the fact that he has to go up against other teams' aces and doesn't get enough run support. Other times it's just not a great night uh, and other teams find holes or the defense isn't there. And that's the hard part. And, you know, we see it now even in professional baseball with Shane Bieber and those likes of aces going at it. But then Glen Oak and McKinley met again on Wednesday. Glen Oak sweeps the regular season series over McKinley 6-2. to two. Uh, Lucas Wakunis with the win for Glen Oak. And Parsons took the loss for McKinley. So Glen Oak, 10 and 3 overall and 7 and 2 after Wednesday. They sat one game back of Jackson, who were there waiting to see what happened this week. We talk about Jackson and Lake, the big time sports TV game of the week on Tuesday at Jackson. Mitch, it was a fun one. Jackson defeats Lake 9 to 5 on Tuesday night. It was a game that Jackson put up five in the first inning on Lake. It looked like almost a replica performance of Jackson a week ago against University where they scored nine in the first, but Lake battled back. Lake made it five to three and five to four. And then Jackson with a huge two-run double off the bat of Jake Sweetnich, able to seal that one away. They went at nine to four. Carson Pastores, who was the iCryo player of the game for the big-time sports game, uh, gets the win. The loss goes to Hunter Bays, who really met shaky first inning, really settled in after that. Those two teams met again then at Lake on Wednesday night, and Mitch, they picked up right where they left off, a back-and-forth affair, 2-0 after the top of the first. Jackson led. It was 2-2 all after one inning. Lake then led the rest of the game 6-4 at one point, then 6-5, and in the seventh inning with two outs and a runner on second, that name, Carson Pastorius, the iCryo player of the game, came up and lined a single to center, scoring Kyle Benson to tie it up. Jackson then with some phenomenal defensive plays in the bottom half when Lake had the winning run lead off and get aboard via a walk. Jackson was able to erase it with two sensational defensive plays, and then Jackson walks away an 8-6 to six winner over Lake in eight innings on Wednesday night. So Jackson still keeps that one-game lead on Glen Oak in Federal League play. Jackson improves to 14 and three and six and one in the league. Hoover and Green. Mitch Green did not start the season as well as they would like to. And right now they are starting to throw a wrench into the Federal League race. They defeated Hoover on Tuesday, 4 0, defeating Mason Billy, who's been one of the top pitchers in the area. Luke Ickes, though, would like a word because Luke Ickes has one of the lowest ERAs in all of Stark County 0.33. It is very tough to score off the senior left hander who took the win in that 4 0 win over Hoover on. Tuesday. The two teams met again, and it was an even better pitcher's duel. As Mason Ashby got the win for Hoover, the, the loss went to Carr of Green. Hoover 2, Green 1 on Wednesday night. So both those teams now, Mitch, Hoover 5-5 five and five in Federal League play. They're not out of it yet, but they're going to need some help here down the stretch. 
You had Perry out of Federal League play this week. They took on Maslin on Wednesday. They defeated Maslin 6-3 to three to get the Panthers their second win all season. Maslin, a very tough team, Mitch. They fall to 10-4 and four overall. Will Willis took the win for Perry. A couple other areas scores. Central on Tuesday defeated Akronell at 1-0. Hmm, that score sounds familiar. We might touch on that again here in a second. Uh, they then lost to St. Vincent St. Mary on Wednesday, 3-1. to one. So Central after that loss was 7-7. Seven and seven. I mentioned that one nothing game, Mitch, and you kind of foreshadowed it. Last night, Central took on Hoover, and it was a great showing from Coy, the pitcher for Canton Central Catholic, as he went complete game with his battery mate, Mikey Duncan. one nothing win over the Hoover Vikings. One run on just two hits for the Crusaders of Central Catholic. A very big, you know, they're not in the league, but a very big win for them at this point in the season. Kyle Gudat, the tough luck. Tough luck loser there. Like I mentioned, only giving up two hits, one run. Uh, but someone has to take the loss, unfortunately, it was him. A couple other scores we had, Mitch. East Canton and Fairless met up this week. East Canton beat Fairless 3-2. Uh, to two. Marlington and Salem. I mentioned that one because Marlington beat Salem on Tuesday 14-4 to four, and then turned around and beat them again 10-3 to three to uh, stay atop the race there in their league. But how about Alliance, Mitch? Alliance defeating Minerva last night. Three to one in a complete game effort from Treshawn Williams, who struck out seven. And the Aviators clinched at least a share of the Eastern Buckeye Conference Championship. It's Alliance's first league title since back to back NBC championships in 2008 and 2009. The Aviators. Coaches Association Division Two poll. So the Aviators have a very formidable squad over there, and they're not done yet. They're going to look to wrap up the EVC early next week. And Mitch, that's a long time they went without a title. This is a team, though, that I don't think anyone's going going to want to see come playoff time. We mentioned them already earlier this year. They had a pitcher throw, no hitter. It's been a sensational season so far for Alliance. For sure. I mean, uh, very congratulations to the Aviators in that respect. And then on the softball side. Uh, a team that is also atop their own respective conference. The Strasburg Tigers got a revenge win over Indian Valley on Thursday night as Amelia Spidell struck out 13 Braves hitters. One of those was her, the 500th of Spidell's career, uh, and the Tigers were able to uh, get uh, back at the Braves for beating them one nothing earlier in the season as Olivia Spidell drove in a pair of runs for Strasburg, and Maddie, Maggie Richards had a triple and a single for the Tigers. A couple of other uh, big performances from uh, this week, uh, I mentioned Spidell. She held the Malvern Hornets hitless in five innings uh, as Strasburg beat them 12 to nothing on Wednesday. She also had a two singles and a doubles on the game. Haley Rigger hit a home run, drove in four runs to Strasburg. O'Reilly Becker had three RBIs on three hits. Strasburg posting nine runs in the first inning in that game. Uh, you also had <clears throat> a number of big uh, softball outings. We mentioned Indian Valley. I was about to say Indian Valley beat Sandy Valley in softball, but you had a number of big uh, results here. I'll pull one from Star County. You had Lake beating Hoover earlier this week uh, by a score of six to three, in uh, which Bella Barr roped a home run for the Blue Streaks. They totaled 11 hits for the contest. Uh, off Viking starter Ella Latoski, who allowed four runs on six hits over three and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, Delaney Shannon did lead the Vikings with two hits in four at bats, while Anna Jones had a three run home run that cut down the lake lead in the middle of the game. 
A couple of other standouts that I wanted to mention from earlier in the week. Uh, New Philadelphia was able to beat Lexington uh, on the road as they won three to two. Noah Bolin and Gavin Blake each getting uh, some RBIs in that later part of the game to win it for the Quakers. And a number of ones here, including Sandy Valley beating Highland as McKenna Burke had a complete game on Tuesday as Sandy Valley Mercy ruled the Hawks 15 to two. Uh, had a very solid game at the plate as well. Uh, Burke went three for three with a pair of doubles, drove in two runs while scoring three more. Carson Dine hit a home run for the Cardinals. They had six runs in the first inning against Hawks starter Hannah Schrock. And then uh, Brady Fiello and Peyton Nicholson also went two for three each for Sandy Valley. So big, big stuff here in the IVC spring season as we're getting down to uh, close to tournament time here. We also had some uh, news that broke earlier this morning that we want to address here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Uh, we mentioned uh, just about a month ago, it was Jason Powers who resigned as the head coach of Malvern's girls basketball program after six seasons with the Hornets. And now it looks as if Malvern has found a new name to lead their program. And we have it here on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can check out our latest article. Natalie Sarball has been named the uh, next Hornets girls basketball head coach. She is set to be formally hired at a special board meeting on Friday. Uh, she is a graduate of North Canton Hoover High School, played basketball as well as ran track and field there, continued her athletics career into Marietta College before graduating in 2016 at Kent State University with a special degree or the degree in special education and a concentration in deaf education. She worked for a few years at Fairless before going over to Northwest, operating a lot within the middle school programs, including the seventh grade girls volleyball team, as well as the middle school track squads. And she also worked as the head assistant coach for Northwest's girls basketball team, helping the Indians reach the Division II state championship game this past spring. So Mitch, she comes over now from a coaching staff that was able to guide a, a Northwest squad to the highest heights its program has had ever this past spring. Yeah. And I think that's a big factor of why, you know, coach Sarbaugh now has this job. Obviously she, it means she's also very qualified, but being able to bring that experience, Mitch, she was a part of a coaching staff that helped break through in a historic season for Northwest and now Northwest, you know, loses a very good coach, but at the same time, Malvern gains what they hope is their next head coach for a long, long time, bringing her playing experience from Hoover and Marietta College, and also the experience she gained coaching at Northwest through the middle school ranks, and then this season in a state championship game run. Uh, a phenomenal hire. Uh, I think it's it's awesome to see the number of, of new head coaches we have throughout all these sports in your area and mine. And this one, you know, has a little Stark County ties and now is going to be in your area coaching the Malvern girls basketball team. Uh, I think it's a great hire and I can't wait to see the tremendous things she accomplishes down there at Malvern only 30 years old. So being that young, I think is also a, can help sometimes when you come into a new program, because it might be a little bit easier to connect with the players and whatnot, especially knowing that she's not that far removed from her playing days. And so we'll have to wait and see how it does, but congratulations to Natalie Sarbaugh and Malvern. I'm very excited for both of them. Absolutely. And Malvern's not coming off a bad season either. They went 14 and nine this year, had an eight and four mark in the IVC's North division. So when we come on back, we'll go over more of the recap of the first round of the NFL draft. Be sure to stick with us right after these messages. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, 
is it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical fire or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experiencing a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best, and at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Ben Noster and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six 
cages for hitting and pitching in a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. Hey, welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala. Mitch, did you happen to do your annual watch of draft day pre the night of the first round like most Northeast Ohioans do? I didn't actually watch the full film. However, ah. whoever is out there that posts the clips of the best scenes on TikTok, I do appreciate mm. you because that's actually how I watched uh, because it was just a little bit easier that way. But it's a phenomenal movie. I do love that movie. One of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, yeah. I love the part when uh, he trades. He trades up. He gives three up three first rounders to draft a guy who is projected to go into the middle of the first round. I really like that part. But I, I, I understand people's love for it, too. I have a, a soft spot, spot for it as well. And I also like kind of seeing, since they shot in Cleveland, some of the different uh, points that I recognize throughout the city once I, you know, drive up there. So, like, every time I see that Sunoco that's tucked in down near the in the lower part of town, I'm like, oh, yep, that's from the movie. So, yeah, we I, I did end up seeing it the night before. And then, of course, we both watched the first round uh, last night. Um, I should also ask you, too, which which presentation did you watch in terms of uh, channel TV channel? Did you watch ABC, NFL, ESPN, NFL Network, NFL Network. That's the one that everyone seems to like have watched. But I just watched the regular ESPN version. Uh, I didn't watch the ABC one because everyone was starting to, to badmouth it on Twitter. But uh you know, it's it is what it is, and I can it does I, I have the volume down, so it doesn't really matter either. But we did have it up enough that we could hear the picks that were being made in real time. And the picks we saw being made last night, all 31 of them, uh, were mostly as expected, some surprises in there. Uh, the ones that were not so surprising were the ones near the top. Of course, you had Bryce Young going number one overall to Carolina, as it's been predicted over the last couple of weeks since the Panthers got that pick uh in the trade now when it gets to number two this is where i was like okay no matter what people said about his hesitancy during the season no matter what people said about his ability to move no matter what people said about his score of 18 on a test cj stroud ended up going number two overall to the houston texans and now and on top of that mitch houston got aggressive trading back up with Arizona to number three and selecting the top overall, maybe the top overall prospect outside of quarterbacks, Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama, the outside linebacker. I, I, I like that Houston was being aggressive here, trying to get the crux of what may, might be their offense and defense there, hopefully for their sake for the next decade. I'm, I'm so happy you said that because I feel the same way. I There's a lot of people who thought, what what is Houston doing? You know, this isn't like they need these two players. They're going to compete. But Mitch, you have so many picks in the next couple of years. If you love a guy, you go get him. If you love another guy, you go get him. And that's what they did. I don't have a problem with the Houston Texans going up to get their guy at two and CJ Stroud, who it came out was their guy all along. And I have no issue whatsoever, especially when you have a brand new head coach who is a defensive minded head coach who has ties to Alabama going up to get perhaps the top overall player in the draft. who is a defensive player from Alabama and Will Anderson jr. I love this move by the Texans. I, I think this is exactly what you what you needed to do because I think at the same time, Mitch, this is a team that is obviously probably not going to compete for a playoff spot this year. Who knows? They could. But they now get a guy on each side of the ball that they can build around on each side 
in the coming years. They still have a number of picks over the next few years. We know they have the Browns first round pick again, at least next year, a a couple late round picks in terms of end of the first round. So second, third round picks, they could do this again next year if they want, because if they're not good, they might have another top five pick. So that's why I'm not too upset with how they went about this. I, I was actually scratching my head for the people that thought, Oh my gosh, what is Houston doing? If you like a guy, you go and get him. And they loved two of them, Mitch. And they went and got them both. I can't knock a team that has been at the bottom of their division, not a good football team for the last three seasons that went out and got their two guys. No, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how Stroud will take to this new system under a new head coach in year one. You're kind of hoping it's not going to have to be a sort of Tim couch, David Carr-esque year where he just gets beat up and has to endure uh, the beatings for 17 weeks out of the season, but who knows? Um, so there was that. And then right after that, Mitch, the third quarterback taken off the board, I think very un- unexpectedly, even though I do think they would have liked to have picked a quarterback was the Colts going with Anthony Richardson. I mean, we had seen this guy's stock kind of rise since the combine when he was, his uh, 40 time was posted when you saw how big he, he could actually impose compared to smaller guys like Stroud and Bryce young. That being said, I, I'm I'm very curious as to see if Richardson's the tangibles that he already brings can be even more improved upon uh, with time. Because if he just gets his touchdown a little bit, uh, work on his accuracy a little bit more, that can be a really high ceiling for Indianapolis to take advantage of. Um, but I don't know. I think I'm I'm still kind of a jury's still out for me at least to see if the Colts found their franchise guy. Yeah, 100%. I think the jury has to stay out because I think, Mitch, after the college football season ended, it was it was Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud were the top two quarterbacks. And obviously, the past couple of weeks, there was a lot of rumblings out there. The test score got leaked. You know, Will Levis had did so good at the Kentucky Pro Day, whatever it may be with Richardson. Rumors swirling, and maybe some teams leaked that on purpose, hoping that, you know, guys fall to them. Mm-hmm you kind of assumed that the Colts were going to take a quarterback at four. Maybe they would trade down and get one later. It seemed like from sources that it was Will Levis was their guy, but I actually like this pick of Anthony Richardson. Yes. There's things he needs to work on. There's things every single player needs to work on that comes into the NFL. If this is the guy for the Indianapolis Colts, Mitch, the Colts are going to be good for a number of years because they already have a very good roster. It's just the fact that they've had this carousel for three, four straight years of a new starting quarterback every single year. And I think the biggest thing for Richardson is he has to play and he more than likely is going to play in Indianapolis. So I was actually, uh, not that I'm a Colts fan, but I liked the pick for the Colts. I really did. One point, one of my, my draft mates made last night was that Richardson, a warm weather quarterback from Florida gets to play half of his season now in the, in the dome in Indianapolis, which is a huge advantage as well. I mean, granted CJ was the only one who was not really a warm weather quarterback. And he's even going now to a dome in Houston, whereas Bryce Young gets to play in in the Carolinas. So it kind of just works itself out. Um, So those were the three quarterbacks selected. Okay. Now, there's one guy that a lot of people were focusing in on last night in that green room who had a Brady Quinn, Gina. I can't say Geno Smith because that Geno Smith is like the ultimate example where the man had to stay two nights in the room without getting picked, but Will Levis, man. I mean, of all that, that dumb rumor where he said like, Oh, Will Levis told all of his friends and family, he's going to go number one. 
And that's when all those uh, bets were being made about it. I'm sure you made one as well. Um, I did not. Good. Um, I mean, expected, not expected, because there were some people that said he could go as high as maybe top 10, top five, and then it just doesn't happen. There were some people that thought he was going to be the second quarterback taken. And that's why a lot of us are fans and not general managers. Yeah. Listen, Will Levis, I think, is a good quarterback. I'm not sold on him, Mitch, uh, for multiple reasons. And whether people think it's shade or hate, that's fine. Um, I I know you could be at a college and then transfer away after you don't get the job. And maybe you didn't get it for other reasons and scholarship being one of them. But he didn't beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State. And to me, that's somewhat of a red flag because we know Sean Clifford firsthand. He was never anything special at Penn State in the 900 years he was there as their starting quarterback. And there's also this thing out there, Mitch, that he has an edge to him. And sometimes when it comes to a quarterback, you need a leader. Doesn't necessarily mean you need a vocal leader. Maybe one that's lead by example. Hey, we got this. Let's go. That's not necessarily the case of what these draft gurus, experts, analysts are saying about Will Levis. It's more of a cockiness, and that turns some teams off. And now listen, maybe like the whole C.J. Stroud is not going to get taken in the top five. He might slide. Maybe it was a smoke screen that Will Levis was a top quarterback to see who maybe would jump up and try to take him. He'll get drafted, yeah. obviously. He'll probably I, get I drafted today. Get yeah. yeah, he'll probably get drafted tonight, and it'll be history. And for him, it should be a big chip on his shoulder. If he thinks he's as good as he thinks he is, and he should have been one of the top quarterbacks taken early in the first round, then he has that much more to prove. And I'm intrigued to see what team takes him because I thought there was a number of teams, Mitch, that might take him. You looked at the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, they signed Geno Smith to that extension. But he's not going to be there forever. We know he's older. Are they going to try to groom somebody? And maybe they take him tonight. Maybe there's other teams that take him. You know, maybe it's the Raiders. Maybe the Cardinals say we'll take a flyer on him because the Cardinals are bolstering their offensive line. We saw that last night with the picket at six with Paris Johnson from Ohio yes. State. But I am shocked that Levis didn't go in the first round. I'm not shocked that he didn't get taken as one of the top two or three quarterbacks, but I was a little bit stunned to see he did not get selected in the first round last night. No, I agree with that. And going into round two, I mean, he could go as early as maybe to me, Detroit has the 34th pick. The LA Rams have the 36th pick. Those are teams with veteran quarterbacks that I could see maybe having having taken over in a couple of years. Maybe Levis get some time to develop under them. And then Seattle's right after LA. Uh, and then Vegas right behind them as well. And then you mentioned Johnson. He was the sixth overall pick. Kind of a surprise. As the, I mean, not as the first Ohio State player, but just uh, to where uh, Arizona ended up trading back into the top six for him. Uh, before that, though, you had Devin Witherspoon, uh, the cornerback from Illinois, going to Seattle. One of two picks for them in the first round. An interesting choice um, that we were kind of wondering, could Carter go there? But uh, Jalen Carter would go nine to Philadelphia because, of course, he does. Uh, that defense is only going to get even better with him and the guy that we're going to talk about next. Number seven was Tyree Wilson to the Raiders defensive end from Texas tech. And then I, I was so underselling running backs. I was just like, no, we don't, nobody's going to really take a flyer on them. Maybe one near the end of the first round, we get one in the top eight as Bijan Robinson went to Atlanta. And I'm, and I'm stunned by that because the focus was okay. Atlanta's offense really needs help. They need air. They need more of an air attack. Could they take a quarterback? Could they take a guy like Levis with three off the board? But they didn't. And then you don't even. I, I'm a little surprised that uh, 
Atlanta took a flyer on him, especially after the running back that had the previous season, I, I believe posted a thousand yards for his campaign. Yeah. Uh, was it Ty? I mean, they used so many running backs against the Browns. Was it Ty Algier? Maybe it wasn't Algier. Yeah. Was Algier. Other. Yeah. But it, it was a bit of a head scratchy move because they do have, they did have three guys that ran the ball last year. Cordell Patterson's done a phenomenal job transitioning to be a full-time running back for the Falcons. And you're right. They took Drake London last year. They got rid of Calvin Ridley. So you thought, man, maybe this is a spot Jackson Smith and Jigba goes. The you know one of the top, if not the top, rated wide receiver. Maybe they do go with Will Levis because maybe Desmond Ritter is not the guy. Yeah, they take yeah. Bijan Robinson. Mitch, I, I think he's the top running back in the draft. I don't really think there's any argument about that, but I do agree it's a little bit high. But at the same time. And, you know, it's a team I'm going to touch on later. But if you like a guy, you go get the guy. The draft spot only matters, Mitch, if the guy doesn't work out. Sure. Right? How many times have we looked at Cleveland Browns drafts of, oh, we took, you know, this guy here and Aaron Donald went four spots later. Oh, we took mm-hmm. this guy, Mahomes and Watson were still there. Uh, th- this, then it, it only matters if the guy doesn't work out. If it works out, guess what? The Falcons look like geniuses. And yeah. we have to wait and see. I get people and, and, and companies and networks want to put out their grades and that's all fun and fair and part of the, the whole draft process. But the truth is we won't know until, you know, a couple of years. And that's what we'll have to wait and see. Maybe B. John Robinson becomes one of the top backs in the NFL. Maybe it's exactly what the Falcons need to help Desmond Ritter be their quarterback, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I do have the numbers here. Cordero Patterson and Algier combined for about 1700 rushing yards last season, but uh, uh, Robinson could be like a guy that you can regularly use as one back. May argue, uh, they even wrote it here. Matt Miller said, arguably the best running back prospect to come out since Saquon Barkley. And that's, that's high praise. He even said that, you know, he'll get a lot of opportunities to play. Could even be a rookie of the year candidate by season's end. Uh, so but then after that, it was Carter, as we mentioned. I mean, I was, because uh, of course he, he ends up dropping to them. And then they, that, that defense gets even better. And then you have Darnell Wright go to Tennessee for Chicago, an offensive tackle, which is good to get Jalen Fields some, uh, Justin Fields some help. Uh, Peter Skaronsky to Tennessee, okay. And then Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama, going 12 to the Lions. And I saw this uh, thing in my group chat today. There are calls the Lions are getting this morning for a potential trade involving DeAndre Swift whose representatives have been in contact with the team about potentially moving to a new team. And I'm I'm a little surprised by it, but I'm not completely taken aback by it because there were a number of injury concerns and never having that quite that breakout moment for Detroit. And they must be really sold on Gibbs if they're willing to, to try and field calls for him or if he's willing to move on. Oh, 100%. I mean, not only this, was this a head scratching pick, Mitch, they then picked, what six picks later and took Jack Campbell, the inside linebacker of Iowa, both were head scratching picks. But the reason I can't hate on it is also the reason I just gave the benefit of the doubt to the Atlanta Falcons. If these picks work out, guess what? No one's going to complain where they got them at. Sure. Maybe there's a guy in between those two that has a great, you know, career. Oh, we could have got Gibbs later, but why, why risk it? We saw with John Dorsey who, Folks, let me remind you, is in the front office there in Detroit. We saw with him here. There was people that thought, why is Denzel Ward going for? Well, it turns out Denzel Ward is a pretty damn good corner, Mitch, especially sure. when he's on the field. They went and got their guys, but 
this, both their picks, Mitch, are ones that if they do not work out, could be moves that cost people their jobs in the front office and also sets this team back for a number of years. And if it works out, great. And now if they do trade DeAndre Swift, what can they get for him? That's the question because running backs, Mitch, on the trade block typically don't have great value. Honestly, I think the best value a running back in a team has gotten in a trade may have been the Browns who traded Trent Richardson for a first-round pick after a year. And you typically don't see running backs go for a first-round pick anymore. I'm not saying DeAndre Swift will get that, but if they trade Swift, it means they're all in on Jamar Gibbs. And if they're all in and that's their guy, so be it. Maybe he shocks everybody, and maybe that's the true running back and not just a flashy running back who can also catch out of the backfield like DeAndre Swift. Maybe that's exactly what the Lions were looking for. I, I am jury is still out for me on Gibbs. I will push back, however, on Campbell. I did think that Campbell might slip into the second round or, or later in the draft where the Browns may could maybe get him. But if Detroit sees something in him, I really like it. I think he's a very strong yeah. and sizable uh, player of his position. He can match up well with tight ends. He has good awareness. He's a tough, tough player that works perfectly with this new sort of uh, team persona that Dan Campbell has built up for. Uh, especially the defense where Campbell could be this new anchor for this Detroit uh, attack. I, I I really liked them. When I saw that trade pop up on Twitter, I was like, okay, I, I really like this. It's out of, it's kind of out of nowhere, but I'm very curious about it. Um, that's my take. And then we go through those picks in the middle. Lucas Van Ness going to the Packers at 13th overall out of Iowa, Broderick Jones to the Steelers an offensive tackle from Georgia. That'll help. Um, Kenny Pickett, you know, get some time to uh, develop plays. Uh, Will McDonald going to the Jets out of Iowa State. Emmanuel Forbes to Washington. And then Christian Gonzalez. This was the one of the picks, by the way, where I thought maybe the Patriots might take a stab at Levis because, you know, I don't know. If, I don't think they're completely sold on Mac Jones as, even for next season. And then you go over to 19, Kalijah Cansey to Pittsburgh going to Tampa Bay. Another one where I thought they might go to Levis. And then 20, Seattle, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Gets drafted. I really like him landing here uh, for a, a still burgeoning Seattle offense, I think. 100%. I actually thought there was a good chance he may get taken when the Jets traded back up to yeah. 15 where they took. That would have been great I with thought. him and Garrett Wilson. Oh, And, and now Rodgers has two phenomenal wide receivers on the outside. Obviously, they went out and they got a friendly face from his Packers days. But this is a good good spot for Smith and Jigba because he's on the opposite side now, DK Metcalf. Geno Smith proved to us last year that he can get it done. And Mitch, if they take Will Levis, that's another quarterback then that may potentially get into the starting job in the next couple of years that will have two proven wide receivers to throw to. And I, really three, I have no issue with this pick. I was kind of shocked he, he lasted this long. He was the first wide receiver taken off the board, as he should have been. But you looked at some of these other positions being taken. You're like, when is a wide receiver going? When's a wide receiver going? And Smith and Jigba goes 20. And then it was wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, yeah. wide receiver. Those straight picks. They finally started to go. And I feel like typically that's how it goes. Once one team takes a wide receiver, other teams scramble because they got to go get their guy. Um, but I think it's a great spot for him. I think the Seattle Seahawks, Mitch, if we're doing grades and, and our honest reaction, I think they are one of the top winners of draft night because I love the pick at five and taking the corner out of Illinois and Devon Weatherspoon. I think he was the top corner in the draft. Uh, I think he had a nice career at Illinois. I think he's going to help them. 
Uh, and now you get a wide receiver and those two will probably go against each other in practice. And we know iron sharpens iron. And so we'll wait to see how those picks look. But I really thought that the Seattle Seahawks killed it on draft sure. in round one. For sure. Those wide receivers you mentioned, by the way, Quentin Johnson out of TCU to the Chargers with the next pick. Zay Flowers from Boston College to the Ravens. Uh, Jordan Addison from USC to the Vikings, which, you know, Addison was an interesting one to me. Deontay Banks went to Maryland with 25 to the Giants via trade. And then uh, Dalton Kincaid was a very intriguing selection for me, at least going to Buffalo. I, I mean, Buffalo offense, pretty high powered, got a good quarterback, got a good running back. Receiving core, I mean, especially at tight end, I believe the the Dawson Knox was the number one tight end in Buffalo last season, and there really wasn't much else. So I, I like that this could be like a Harrison Bryant equivalent, potentially to uh, Njoku, like for for a Browns comparison. I, li- I like Kincaid going to Buffalo. And I have a really good friend who's actually a Buffalo Bills fan. He mm-hmm. actually really liked this. Some of us thought, what are the you know what are they doing? Why? And he said. You know, Knox sometimes is the most reliable. There are the concerns. Sometimes he isn't the best uh, receiving tight end, although he has put up good numbers. But now being able to bring out another guy like uh, Kincaid from Utah, and this is a Mitch, I think this is a deep tight end draft. You've heard Todd McShay, you've heard other analysts and gurus that work the draft year round say this is a deep tight end draft. So they went out and got who they thought was the best tight end available in a pass happy offense with Josh Allen. And listen, when you have Stefan Diggs at wide receiver one, you have a couple other guys out there uh, next to him and Dawson Knox. I think this is a very ideal spot for Kincaid specifically to slide right in and not have a lot of pressure on him, but still be able to put up big numbers knowing you're in a pass happy offense. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to get a ton of targets, but he definitely will be part of an offense that can really run when it's running on all cylinders. It's very, very dangerous. You mentioned that tight end draft. I mean, right now you have Michael Myers still on the board. Going into round two, Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington could be very uh, uh, interesting for a number of other teams to pick up. And then the picks after Kincaid, you had Mozzie Smith from Michigan going to uh, the Dallas Cowboys, which Micah Parsons really liked on the draft uh, night coverage. You also had Anton Harrison from Oklahoma going to the Jaguars. Miles Murphy from uh, Clemson going to Cincinnati. Brian Brees also from Clemson going to New Orleans. And then this is the only other team, Mitch, that I think could rival – Seattle as having the best round one was Philadelphia picking up Nolan Smith from Georgia, the outside linebacker, the defense, man, the defense just keeps adding on and you get a guy uh, like uh, Jalen Carter from Georgia. And then to go get his teammate uh, coming off back-to-back national championships that that's, those are two day one guys that can really add to Philadelphia and could bolster what, led them coming up short in the Super Bowl. And they get to be reunited with, I believe, Nakobe Dean from last season's draft that went to yep. Georgia that slid deep and the Eagles took him. There's a couple off the field issues. We know about Jalen Carter. We've touched about it on this podcast yeah. show before, and we'll wait to see that stuff will play itself out as it always does. But Mitch, you're right. I think this is the other team that rivals Seattle for the best draft on night one. And I mean, they're bolstering their defense that was already talented and they really don't need to do anything offensively because they showed they believe in their quarterback. They gave him a huge extension, their running game. They had a couple different guys to run the ball. They made the trade last year to go get AJ Brown alongside Devonte Smith. This is a very nice draft for the Philadelphia Eagles who came up just a few plays short of winning the Super Bowl last year. And so I have no issue with this pick. I think they 
they hit it out of the park if both these guys work out. Obviously, Nolan Smith had his own character off the field issues, whatever it may be. But, Mitch, this is a team, at least in recent years, that has shown you they're willing to put up with that things or those type of things because they think they can prevent it and fix it. And when you have that belief in your front office and organization, that is why you draft players of this caliber. And if it works out, my goodness, is the Eagles defense going to be scary. It really, really is. And then Felix and Adike Uzoma to, from Kansas State going to Kansas City with the final for pick of the first round. So I'm curious as to what's going to happen in round two. Going to be Zooming that one later on tonight as well. And we will be right back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show talking about what the Browns could do in the next couple of days. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. matter everyone plays a part we all have a role each of us can make a difference you do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward with each of us helping one another to cope feel better and know that we belong pass on the positivity today tell someone else they matter too all care all care We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Employee benefits, although time-consuming and expensive, is one of the top considerations for those making a job change. At Hummel Group, we help businesses craft benefit strategies that align with company goals. Through an emphasis on cost containment, leveraging technology, and benefits administration, 
we save your team valuable time. Your employees call us with questions, not you. Visit HummelHelps.com or call 800-860-1060. Don't just get insurance. Get Hummel. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bally here. Mitch, you know, as we watch tonight's uh, second round, we know that the Browns probably are not going to trade back up as seeing as they don't have a lot of capital to warrant such a move going back into the first within the first 60 picks. So now we focus in on round three as we head into the weekend. And before we sign off on this podcast, we want to talk about what the Browns might be adding to the team this year. Seeing this as a year where you're not really trying to be such a buyer compared to other teams, if you're the Browns, which spots specifically do you need to address the most? If you're Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, you have to make sure this spot can get some more, uh, can get become more bolstered going into next training camp. Defense. Defense, 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 specifically the defensive line, whether that's defensive end or defensive tackle. Obviously, they made a couple good signings this offseason, Mitch. They made a couple trades, uh, and it's why I'm staying away from they need to draft a wide receiver because they made a couple signings. They traded for Elijah Mitchell. I think the Browns are fine at wide receivers. They also already bring back Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, getting Jakeem Grant back off the IR and we'll see what he can do if he's even going to be involved in the passing game. David Bell, a second-year wide receiver now. I think the Browns have to look at defense because we know how thin and depleted our defensive line has been for the past couple of years. We also know how bad we want to compliment on the other side of the line for Miles Garrett. And then the whole Perrion Winfrey offseason situation going on now, Mitch, which I won't get into, but Browns fans out there know that he's in a little bit of trouble. We'll see how much trouble he's in, but I think the Browns have to go defensive route. If anything else, Mitch, I would think maybe it's depth at the offensive line position. I will be shocked if the Browns went corner route, if the Browns went a running back route, or if the Browns went for a tight end with their first pick in the draft, because this is a deep tight end draft. I think they can get a tight end later in the draft. Sure. But if they love someone, they may trade up and get them. They might reach for them with their first pick in the third round, we'll have to wait and see. But I keep looking at two names that I keep hoping just somehow slip down the board. Is it likely? Probably not. But could Keon White of Georgia Tech, the defensive end fall, or B.J. Ojolari, the linebacker from LSU, fall? If they could, Mitch, those are two guys I love. Now, they're they're rated right now six, 16th and 17th best overall available, respectively. Um, but that doesn't mean that's the order they're going to go in. I mean... Will Levis is a prime example of that. He was rated as the fourth best quarterback, you know, first round pick. And here he is in the second round. And I'm sure a number of those guys like Gibbs, we talked about last segment were a second round guy, second day guy, third day guy. And he went in the first round. So maybe the Browns get lucky. I wouldn't be shocked if those guys slid all the way to the end of the second round, if the Browns did try to trade up because they have a lot of assets in trade capital or in draft capital, excuse me, for later round picks. Do they really want to bring in, four or five later round guys over the next two, three drafts each year. I don't think so. I think the Browns right now need to focus on depth. And I think the defensive line is the biggest area, a need for this team. So you, you were focusing on Keon white, the top rated defensive end still available. And then what was the other name? BJ Ojolari, the linebacker. I know okay. it's not a defensive lineman, but the linebackers we have Mitch, 
We saw injuries a lot last year. These are some guys that are older that are coming off injury. Obviously, I hope they are okay and they can perform well. But at the same time, if there's a talent like Ojolari there, you may have to make a risk and go get him. And I would be totally okay with a pick like that. See, it's funny. I was focusing on defensive tackle a little bit more, and there were two particular names that really stood out to me because right now the top-rated defensive tackle still available is Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. He's going to get taken at the second round at some point. I I do not expect the Browns, unless they were to trade back up at some point, to get him. It really comes down to two names. Numbers two and three still available, uh, top-rated according to ESPN. Zach Pickens from South Carolina and Javon Dexter from Florida. Uh, I'm I'm a little more inclined to go with Dexter as he is at six foot six, three hundred and ten, versus Pickens, uh, six foot four, two hundred ninety one. Um, I I like to know what your get take is on these two, uh, specifically on these two guys, uh, because it isn't after these top three. It seems this isn't the strongest defensive tackle class, but I think these two guys could do something pretty solid for. Uh, the Browns defense. Maybe not solid in terms of starter material, like Andrew Berry for, for Shatter, yeah. but if Gervon, I, I, I'm with you. I think Gervon Dexter is a much, I guess, safer pick just because of the size there, like you mentioned, over Pickens. I would have no issue with either of those first three, but the odds of us getting Keanu Benton from Wisconsin are just very, very slim. Yeah. It would take a Browns trade to jump back up into the early part of the second round, not just the late part of the second round and, and see what happens. But Mitch, the Browns need to add more size and weight in the middle of that defensive line. They had one of the smallest defensive lines last year in our front office. I think thought, Oh, we can get away with it. And we watched firsthand specifically against Atlanta. They got pushed around when the Falcons ran it 13 straight times down our throat. And You saw a team last night like the Dallas Cowboys take a defensive tackle out of Michigan, and Micah Parsons loved it because they are sick and tired of the quarterback sneak or runs right up the middle from their division opponent, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think the Browns having a smaller and weaker uh, defensive line allows other teams to game plan to run and know they're going to get a few yards if they absolutely need them. So if Gervon Dexter could fall, Mitch, that would be a home run for the Browns, I think. If Pickens fell... I would take it. Um, those first three guys I like, but maybe the Browns are looking somewhere else. And I'm not going to throw out names, just throw out names, but there's guys in this draft that played at top colleges, uh, you know, Alabama on here. Uh, you have a couple guys from Alabama. Maybe the Browns take one of those guys in the third round who they think they can develop, that they might be able to have learned behind some of the other guys we have here in Cleveland that may potentially eventually make an impact on the defensive line. One of the guys that I'm I'm zeroed in on at a position you talked about earlier, mainly because the Browns really struggle with it injury-wise last season, is at linebacker. There's a guy from Clemson by the name of Trenton Simpson, who I think could do some really uh, good stuff. He had 72 tackles last season, four of them for loss, with 2.5 sacks, three pass breakups, and two forced fumbles. And, you know, Anthony Walker is the leader of that linebacker core right now, but he's coming back on a one-year deal. I don't know for sure if the Browns trust him to stay healthy for the entire season. So maybe you try and uh, get some quantity into that particular position. But I, I don't know. I, I, I if, if the Browns go with a linebacker, I think they can maybe even wait till round four to maybe try and address that need comparative to defensive end or defensive tackle. Absolutely. And I think it ultimately just depends on what team strikes first to take a linebacker. 
And that ultimately we saw last night with wide receivers. As soon as Smith and Jigba got taken, Mitch, we saw a run of three other picks directly after being wide receiver. This is a copycat league in some point, in some aspect. And teams, I think, feel the need. If a team takes the guy they like, they have to go get the next best available. And then you see that follow suit the rest of the draft. Trenton Simpson would be nice. Mitch, there is Marte Mapu, the six foot three, 217 pound linebacker from Sacramento State. Some people may be out there saying, Sacramento State, they have a football team. They do. He's ranked seventh overall in the linebacker position. That's a guy, Mitch, I think that is has enough size, but also decent enough speed to play at a high level at the linebacker position in the NFL that maybe the Browns look at in round four of the NFL draft. I wouldn't be upset there. There are a couple of names out there that if you watch football, uh, you, you're aware of Henry Tua. I don't even know how to say his name. Tutu. We're just going to call him Tutu. T O O T O O. But there, there's a couple guys out there that I think the Browns will take a flyer on because you mentioned with Walker coming back from injury. Taki Taki had an injury last year, the, the linebacking and, and defensive line positioning to me seems like the biggest area need for both impact players eventually and also depth because we saw just how bad things could get when we lost our signal caller and Anthony Walker and then also just kept losing guys along the defensive line. I don't want to have to watch that again. Yeah. I think it's 2020. It might it might it might be the way I'm phonetically 2-0, 2-0. saying it right now, but we'll figure it out in time uh probably later tonight. Uh we had some stories come out the in the NFL this week, the obvious one um Aaron Rodgers officially finalizing the trade with the New York Jets for a package deal. We've known this is going to happen for at least a month now. So, you know, Jets have the target on their backs in the AFCs for the first time in a long time. I mean, it's going to be curious to see how this division will shake up where you have uh, when when the, the, the Patriots might even be the, the fourth best team in your division. This is really saying something now. It's going to be a very competitive setup to here. And uh, but, but what we're focusing on the AFC North is uh, – you know, Lamar Jackson officially re-signing with the Ravens on a five-year deal that makes him the highest paid player per season at $260 million over five years, 185 mil guaranteed, average annual salary of $52 million ahead of Jalen Hurts and ahead of Deshaun Watson. The guaranteed portion, however, is second best to Watson, whose full deal is guaranteed. So, you know, I think once the last couple of weeks started coming in, we kind of figured he'd come back, but now it's going to be official all this talk has just been subsided. You know, we, we liked to make fun of the Ravens a while back saying like, Oh, what's going to happen to them. Is this the downfall of the Ravens? I guess it's not because now they're just going to keep, keep on chugging along with their uh, former MVP and going to have to deal with him for the next couple of seasons more. Yeah. Listen, it sucks because I think a lot of us Browns fans thought, Hey, we got him out of the division. He's out. You know, he's, he wants this guaranteed contract. The Ravens aren't going to give it to him. Things started to look bleak, Mitch, when it seemed Lamar was not getting any interest from other teams, at least in what he was looking for. I'm sure there was a number of teams that contacted him uh, because he is not represented by an agent that said, hey, we'd, we'd love to have you, but they weren't going to give him the money they wanted. I also think the Ravens kind of realized eventually too, Mitch, that – man, we might have to bite the bullet here and give him what he wants because if we don't, where are we? Where do we stand as a team? We stand as a got a good tight end, got a good defense, and no quarterback. And look, 
taking my fandom aside, I think Lamar Jackson is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL when healthy. I really do. He has an MVP to show that. He's a dynamic playmaker, and he can beat you in multiple ways in and throughout a game. It sucks because he's in the division, because I also think Lamar is a very likable person. I, I, I enjoy, you know, I think he's very funny on social media with some of the things. I mean, he was posting uh, little SpongeBob gifs or gifs or whatever you want to call them or, or little memes out there and uh, about something was happening. But I think at the same time, we saw the ripple effect that Deshaun Watson and the Browns had on the NFL, Mitch. Jalen Hurts got his money. Lamar Jackson got his. There's going to be another quarterback that's up for a new deal. He's in the division. And why I bring that up is because the organization he plays for, Mitch, is notorious for being cheap. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm -hmm. And so the Bengals are now going to be in a spot looking around saying one division rival gave, you know, a giant contract that we may never see again. Our other division rival kept perhaps one of the most fearing quarterbacks in the NFL because of his ability to run and throw. We think we have a top three quarterback in the NFL, but are they going to pay Joe Burrow what he thinks he wants? And listen, the Browns, like we thought, maybe got rid of Lamar. Turns out they didn't, but maybe with the Browns forcing the Ravens to do this, maybe just maybe the Bengals are going to be in a tough spot, Mitch, because if they give Burrow what he wants, can they keep Jamar Chase, who is just a year behind Burrow, who would have a contract due for the next year if he wants it, who's shown he is a phenomenal wide receiver, along with the other wide receivers they have in T. Higgins and uh, Tyler Boyd? We'll have to wait and see, but... Phantom aside, Lamar, I think, is deserving of a, one of the higher paying contracts. The money is only going to continue to get outrageous as every season comes and goes in the NFL and new money comes in, new network deals comes in. I mean, we've seen it now our entire lives. As a Browns fan, this sucks. It Just plain and simple, it sucks. Um, no, I'm not worried about Odell Beckham Jr. I, I'm, I'm really not. I, I will eat my words. I'll put on the clown wig again like I did last week when I had to eat my words about the Cavs. This is a guy that has not played a fully healthy season, I believe, since 2016. And he's coming off an ACL tear from a season and a half ago. Nobody signed him last year. All these people mentioned are saying, oh my gosh, Lamar and Odell, this is going to be a great tandem. I'm not buying that. I still think the Ravens have a lot of work to do to help Lamar on the offensive side of the ball. They did it with Zay Flowers last night. That's a start. Um, Good for Lamar, though. That's, that's yeah. all I can say. It just sucks that he's here. But if there's anything I can take from the Browns the past few seasons, Mitch, as big of a headache as we've had with them, they've seemingly somehow always found a way to at least slow Lamar down and keep us in the game against the Baltimore Ravens. That's why I'm not particularly deathly afraid of this deal happening. No, I get it. I get it. All right, we come on back. We'll go over uh, speaking of something that sucked and involved Cleveland. That's just Take the break. We'll get right back at it. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experiencing a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 
for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostren Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. Turning 65 soon or already on Medicare? Hummel Group can help you explore your options and find a plan that fits your unique health care needs and budget. Our experienced agents provide personalized advice and help you compare plans from top insurance carriers for free. 
we're here to help you find the Medicare plan that's right for you. Visit HummelHelps.com or call 800-860-1060 to speak to an agent about Medicare. Don't just get insurance, get Hummel. We're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Final segment, Mitch, just get it over with. Cavs lost to the Knicks in five games. <sighs> you know, it, it really fascinated me how fast the honeymoon phase ended for the, this Cavs team because, look, we had this 50-win season. First one in a long time, especially on, after the post-LeBron era. You had this up-and-coming team. You had this new guy in Donovan Mitchell come in and, and have this amazing all-star season. And now... In five games, Mitch, I think it's more so because of the disappointment that we didn't get the progress of a playoff series victory that all of a sudden we think that massive sweeping changes need to be made. And not to say that we need to clean house entirely, but there were many more reactionary declarations by fans and and media members to where I was like, guys, I I think we're going to be all right. I think we just got caught off. We got we got caught off our game, and New York did what they had to do. They outphysical Cleveland, and in those four victories, so now they're going to be moving on. We're going to be moving home, but I, I, I'm not so sure that there's a lot of different things that things have to be different by next fall in order for the Cavaliers to keep progress. I'm happy we waited an extra day to record this because I'm definitely not going to be as hot headed as I was, you know, the morning after the Cavaliers got eliminated. I am a Cleveland fan through and through. Hmm? I did not watch the fourth quarter. I wouldn't have. I, I, it, it's, it, it was embarrassing. What the, and listen, give credit to the Knicks as much as that sucks to say, give credit to the Knicks. Yeah. We should have probably realized the games of the regular season against them were a sign of things to come. And I think we were all hopeful as we should have been. We were a 51 to 31 team. We were the four seed in the Eastern conference. The Knicks came out and just wanted it more. And I think the most frustrating part about the playoff series against the Knicks, Mitch is the fact that the Cavs never looked like they were fully invested or really displayed that they cared with the performance they put on the floor outside of game two. I'm not questioning whether the players cared. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying from the looks of how they played, they played scared. They played timid and the Cavaliers team. We, we knew to fall in love with, especially like Mitch, the one game against Boston. Just, I still have it in my head about, we were down so much and the Cavs would make these ferocious comebacks at the end. And, You'd have guys laying out on the floor, getting loose balls. You'd have guys going for rebounds that weren't near them. And I never saw it in this series. To your point of changes, I think everybody always thinks a change has to be made. I don't buy that. Because if you want to fire J.B. Bickerstaff, name me who you're going to go get and replace him. with. Yes. That is clear and cut better than J.B. Bickerstaff. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about a small upgrade. If you are going to replace the coach who took over in an awful situation after the dismissal of John Beeline and then has improved the team every year he's been the head coach. Now, yes, Donovan Mitchell certainly plays a factor in that, but guess what? That's basketball. Who are you going to go get? Mitch, I had somebody tell me, well, the Bucs are going to fire Mike Budenholzer. Let's go get him. (laughs) 
Like, uh, come, on. come on. He won a championship. Yeah, he won a championship. Cool. <laughs> the same reason I'm not fully sold on some of these other coaches. Listen, I was never fully so- sold on Eric Spolstra. I was wrong. Eric Spolstra yeah. is a phenomenal head coach. Yep. But when you have LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch, Mitch, you kind of can say, well, is he a good coach or does he just have three of the top players at the time in the NBA? Is Steve Kerr a good coach? I think he is because Mark Jackson had roughly that same team and he couldn't really do anything with them. I'm not for firing JB Bickerstaff. No, nope. I'm really not because I believe he was dealt a tough hand at times, Mitch, the Cavaliers had six players that could really make an impact. And one of them came off the bench games two through five and really couldn't score in Isaac Okoro. I think he was dealt a tough hand. I'm giving Kobe Altman all the credit in the world for getting Donovan Mitchell because it's not often that a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers can go make a trade to get a top player in the NBA. You also don't predict him to lay an egg in the playoffs like he did. No. But he also did no help in bolstering our bench to give JB an idea of a rotation. JB was absolutely outcoached in this series, but he was outcoached by a guy who's been in the playoffs multiple times. Sure. He was outcoached. Because he had a lack of depth off the bench. He played. I know he, we were all clear. You played the starters so many minutes right. that you really couldn't get a bench going. And, and that's the thing. But at the same time, and there was a lot of people, he doesn't know his rotation. Well, who were you going to put out there that was really going to get things going? Yeah. I, I agree. The defensive matchup on, on Jalen Brunson, it hurt. Because we had nobody that could really do anything against him, except for Isaac Okoro. And Mitch, there was times that, you couldn't put him out there because you were down by so much and he really didn't offer you anything offensively. Trading Jared Allen. Listen, I think Jared Allen and Evan Mobley had the worst series out of anybody. And I'm I'm saying that worse than Donovan Mitchell. Two seven-footers. Evan Mobley getting all this high praise. Of, oh, he should have run one rookie of the year, which he should have. But second year, he's going to take this giant leap. And he improved. But Mitch, they got their lunch stolen by Mitchell yeah. Robinson yep. and Hartenstein. The Cavaliers held potentially an all NBA team member in Julius Randle to an abysmal series. Julius Randle never got going. And they still couldn't do anything. Mitchell Robinson had more offensive rebounds in game five than anybody in the Cavaliers had total rebounds. And that's a problem. And we'll wait and see. Obviously, we know some of the things they need to do. They need to go get a three. A three and D three would be ideal. But if they can just find a three that has size, that's big. If they can find some shooters, that's big. I think the Cavs need to get the playoff experience. Obviously, I'm on record saying the floor was a playoff series when it didn't happen. And this might have been one of the worst teams you could have possibly been matched up against. But don't forget where the Knicks were two years ago, Mitch. They were in the same position as us, and the Atlanta Hawks went into New York and embarrassed them. Yep. And that was the year the Hawks made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe this is the wake-up call the Cavaliers needed. I don't expect them to have a bad year, you know, next season like the Knicks did after the season they made the playoffs. But I, I fully anticipate the Cavaliers will be back. Altman and the front office have shown we have no reason not to trust them because they're making moves for us to get back to where we want to be as a franchise. I don't want to just say I'm giving them a pass because things have to change. And if they don't, I think everybody's job is on the line. But Mitch, if you got rid of JB Bickerstaff, who are you going to go get? Nick Nurse? Is he really that much better than JB Bickerstaff? I would argue he's. There's, I mean, yeah, say it. Say it. You're saying what I'm thinking. 
I, I think Nick Nurse, if he didn't have that championship, maybe arguably on a lesser level than J, where JB is right now. 100%. 100%. And good players help you do that, right? Listen, I love Tyler. He was a part of the championship team. He's being dealt a tough hand in L.A. I necessarily don't believe he is a top coach like some people think he is because he had, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time sure. with a great squad in that 2016 Cavaliers team. I just think that this is a team that was young and just it bothered me what Jared Allen said, Mitch, because he's been in the playoffs already twice, but the lights were too bright. And that's about all there is. They're definitely still very young. And I, I do wonder if, if Allen will be moved by this off season. Cause a lot of people were coming for his head as he did, just doesn't have the playmaking abilities and particularly in this series to get a number of offensive maneuvers. Um, Mobley just put him on Giannis's muscle building plan. He'll, 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 he'll develop. He'll keep going. Garland, just keep developing Mitchell find that clutch gene within you. Like you did in the regular season and just translate it into the playoffs. Maybe you, maybe you can make a move for Allen, but that contract's going to be tricky. And I don't even know if you want to get rid of him at this particular point, maybe down the line later, um, find some fifth, find some guy who can fill that fifth spot and send Karras to the sixth man, where I think he can really flourish. The pressure will be taken off of him. A coral can play defense and, and if he keeps developing scoring, maybe there's something there, get rid of the rest of the bench or at least refine it if you can. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be back for another season of hopefully just as successful, if not more successful, Cavaliers basketball. I mean, you look at a team like that compared to something like Milwaukee right now where um, Milwaukee just got boat raced out of the playoffs by a heat squad that was playing very inspired basketball. And, you know, everyone was making a big thing about Giannis's speech the other night where he was asked if the season was a failure. And I, and I respect and appreciate his insight into – what failure actually is that being said i i don't i kind of disagree with i don't disagree with the sentiment i disagree with where the statement ended up because if you're a number one seed the top team in the east for this much of the season and you're losing to a play-in squad and you get beat by them in five games this season's a failure i'm sorry like it, it it's it's at the bare minimum a disappointment but what what are you going to say? You're going to say, oh, you know, we, we we did a great job of, you know, losing to this team that lost to Chicago in the play-in tournament and then had to had to be a uninspired or no, excuse me. Miami oh. lost to Atlanta, excuse me, sorry, lost to Atlanta and then had to beat an uninspired Raptors team to get that final spot. So I, I'm just not, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not sharing that part of the conversation because Milwaukee didn't get to their expectations. They wanted to this year back to at least the East finals, probably trying to get their second championship run. And then, you know, Celtics did what they had to do against Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta gave them a game. I'll give them that. Trey Young made that game five shot. I thought, okay, could be interesting. Had to move that back that Janet Jackson concert and then kind of dropped the ball there. Um, but we'll see what happens throughout the, rest of tonight's slate of games where i mean you got something i just on the whole Giannis thing i thought it was i let me let me premise it this way i agree with what you're saying 
I also thought it was a very good answer from Giannis in a yeah, certain degree. It is. People, I think, tend to forget that these are athletes. They are humans. And you're taking somebody whose season just ended when they had these high hopes and you're putting them out there after he just tried to help his team win a must-win game and they came up short. So obviously it's a bit of a hot head. Every team has goals every season. Every team's ultimate goal, though, Mitch, no matter who it is, it could be the Detroit Pistons, it could be the Bucks. Every team's ultimate goal is to what? Win the NBA championship. Yes. If you don't, it is a failure in some degree. For the Bucks, already having a championship, already having a finalist, you know, in the MVP race or, or MVP winner, an all-star next to him and Chris Middleton, the expectations are there. And it didn't happen. I think he was extremely frustrated with everything that went on. Um, it is to a degree of failure. Is the Cavalier season a failure? I think it is because they didn't yeah. get the goal. They didn't get the high expectation, but at the end of the day, every team's goal is to win the finals. Yes, I know the Pistons sure. suck and they are yeah. obviously Webb and Yama, but their owner, what do you think the owner wants? I want to win the finals. That's what every team wants. So I liked his response a lot, actually. I don't necessarily agree with him, mm. but the question I want to ask you, Mitch, and I want to ask the audience, does the Cavaliers, or excuse me, does the Milwaukee Bucks being eliminated make you feel any better about the Cavs losing, or does it hurt worse knowing that the Bucks lost and the Cavs got eliminated? Uh, I don't think it really makes an effect on my my impact of the Knicks beating us because the Miami and New York felt like very different teams to me. If Miami had beaten us, I'd have been like, okay, it makes sense. And, and the Knicks thing makes sense too, because they took three out of four contests from us this year. So I'm not like, yeah. what what the hell happened? I, I think I'm more so upset of, of like how we lost rather than us losing in general. Cause it's like, how are we letting these, okay. these guys out muscle us and out get, have us be out physical and have Josh Hart of all people making impact plays making Jalen Brunson look like the hottest or the best choice of the off se- last off season. Um, but I don't, I think it's more so the effect of how we lost than us actually losing. Um, and now we're going to have a heat and Knicks series where one of those teams is going to be in these finals and probably going to be Miami because they're playing so well right now, but I don't know, man, I, I, I could see the Knicks somehow making it to the conference finals and then who knows where it's going to go from there. It's probably, let's be honest. It's probably going to be Boston or Philadelphia at this point in the East. Yeah, They're I, playing too I, I, well compared to the other teams that are left in it to, to unless they drop the ball, like Philadelphia did two years ago against Atlanta. So we'll see what happens there. And as far as Giannis goes, I mean, this guy's had bad luck with end of season conferences before, and this is also this is also on the heels of remember that report that came out a little while ago. It said he almost retired three years ago because he was just going through a lot of stuff. The guy's got a lot of stuff in his mind. He's he's the arguably the name of the NBA right now, and you know that could be that could bring as much pressure as it can bring uh, accolades and and the lauding and all that. Um, I mean, it was three years ago. It was back in 2019 when he walked out in that press conference because uh, Malik Andrews uh, wrote that piece on him, and he didn't like that, so he's just like, I'm out. Um, so there's that. And in the West freaking warriors are going to beat the Kings tonight. And we're have to deal with this whole nonsense. Again, they're going to get back to the finals. I just know it. And then Grizzlies could post a uh, game six victory here against LA after beating them in game five. It's not going to be easy, but it could happen. And I'm very curious as to where that's going to go. Let's hope not. 
I'm 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 just ready to see the full demise of the Memphis Grizzlies if they get eliminated and see what happens with Dylan Brooks. Um, I just I also just think that a potential Lakers and Warriors second round matchup would be so juicy and entertaining. Yeah, especially um, with especially with the other one being Suns and Nuggets, which good teams just doesn't have that same appeal, even though it's KD and Booker versus uh the likes of Jokic and yeah. Yeah. No, we'll see. I I I would like to think the Lakers eliminate the Grizzlies in six night. LeBron had an awful game. He was the first to admit it. And the Grizzlies hit some much needed shots. They defended home court like they needed to do. But I like to think the Lakers will be ready to go tonight. And I think that, unfortunately, you are right. It looks like the the Warriors are going to beat the Kings. Um, Hopefully not. I I think Sacramento is a great story. But And then, Mitch, I think looking at it in terms of on paper, you're going to have four of the top five teams in the Western Conference from this year in the Western Conference semifinals in the Nuggets, potentially the Warriors, and potentially the Lakers. And so we'll have to see. I think it's the Celtics Conference to lose the Eastern Conference. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll get a Celtics-Lakers finals, and the winner will have bragging rights over the other for the most championships all time in NBA history. Possibly. Uh, before we go, you sent me this thing that Antonio Brown just tweeted, and if I can get it up on the screen here. Uh, so apparently – Antonio Brown has agreed to a deal with the Baltimore Ravens to play for them this year. Um, I've looked up some other things. Yeah. He agreed. Doesn't look like the Ravens have agreed to it yet. This is not an official report that we are breaking here on the big time sports podcast show. It's just him posting another, no more white women, 2020 uh, like tweet. Uh, from that special, special account. All right. Uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, Mitch, what's our fact of the day before we head out of here? Your fact of the day is the Eiffel Tower can be 15 centimeters taller during the summer due to the thermal expansion, meaning the iron heats up, the particles gain kinetic energy and take up more space. Let's see. That's interesting. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening or watching to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.